Hello and hi, welcome to another Slice of Sci-Fi. I'm Summer Brooks and my guest today is writer-director Kay Asher-Levin, who has a new action comedy horror combo plate special coming out called Slayers. It'll be out in theaters, digital and on demand on October 21st. And it is a, a feast for those who like uh, their, their comedy bloody. Hi, Asher. Hi. <laughs> I like to hear people's responses and, and, and uh, it, it, I'm, I'm trying to decipher. Uh, I like to figure out who, who got really excited about the movie and who's just still trying to figure it out. Um, uh, but, but yeah, I guess it's, it, I would say it's a lot of, it's all those genres, I, I suppose. Um, it's, I, 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 it's an experience, you know? Um, I, I am excited that people kind of understand that it's a very unique film. Well, you've got uh, snarky humor, uh, high levels of, uh, gory, violent action against supernatural creatures who literally, you know, just are, are, are the id personified and, uh, shenanigans ensue. Yeah. That's a, that's a great description. You should, you should have done the tagline that, that is that that's I, 100%. Hey, you just have to ask. You just have to ask. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I like to think of it as like the perfect midnight movie, you know? Um, it's, it's, it's something really fun and you can watch it over and over again and have a new experience every time and find, and find that, you know, your, your tribe of people who love the movie and and understand, uh, all the weird shit that I was going for. Hmm. And now you have me wondering if this would have made a, uh, an appropriate replacement for Rocky Horror at those midnight showings. By the way, uh, it's so funny. Uh, last night I was talking to someone and I said that one of the bigger influences for this movie is Rocky Horror. No, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, uh, Rocky Horror is one of my favorite movies. And, uh, you know, I have a, a special reverence uh, along with obviously loving, you know, the great cinema of the world uh, for, you know, midnight movies, cult movies, um, you know, films by by people like David Lynch and John Waters and... and uh, and I think that there's, you know, as much as the influences of John Carpenter and Sam Raimi and, uh, you know, are in here, there's definitely a healthy dose of the sort of campy cult heroes as well. So you co-wrote this in addition to directing it was aiming for that, uh, that, that cult classic niche, your intention going in? Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't think anyone ever aims for that when they first start. Um, if they did, then it wouldn't be authentic. Okay. I kind of feel like midnight movies and cult movies become what they are. Um, and, and listen, I also, this is an aspiration. I, I, people have to find it first to be able to embrace it in that way. But it sounds like from everyone that I've talked to and from the couple screenings that I've had that people kind of get it right away that that's the intention of the film. Um I think that there were a bunch of different incarnations of this movie and some of them were funnier and weirder and campier than others. And some of them were a little more serious and, you know, it just depended on where I was as a person, I guess, at the time. Um, I, I, I suppose I was having a lot of fun in the editing room once I got to that place. And <laughs> once I was there and I knew I had materials and I knew that I, that there, and my editors and I figured out that we had a tone that we could really nail um, that was super unique. 
I, I, there was 100% an intention at that point to be like, this is going to be the next amazing midnight movie. It's going to be the first cult kind of classic movie for Gen Z. Uh, and, um, you know, making sure that the movie wasn't, you know, the influencer element of it was was really secondary. And I think that the more that we made it weird, the more unique the film was, the more it got kind of moved away from that stuff. I mean, the reality is that the stream team, the sort of, uh, proxy leads in the film, mm -hmm. aside from Elliot, are are, are really avatars, uh, you know, in the film for for Elliot's story uh, as a vampire slayer, and for my uh, my story as a sort of uh, dissertation and sort of examination of uh, vampire conspiracies, and you know, my thoughts on media, uh, vampiric elements of media, and 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 consumption, uh, and so you know, the antics that they are all around. They support that, but you know, it was always really important for me to make a very funny movie too, and a movie that 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 operated on a couple different levels. And one of them was, you know, uh, that sort of zany, weird, you know, stuff that you see in a movie like Rocky Horror. You know, that is very knowing and very winky, and um, and what that would look like today. You know, um, and so a lot of the digital techniques we used with the graphic design, you know, overlays and and some of the subtitle jokes and um, you know, just sort of the Looney Tune style stuff that we put in there. Uh, that it, well, the aim was 100% to create something that people would want to watch over and over again and kind of debate about and and be excited for that next scene to come and all that other stuff. Did uh, your participation in the writing process affect how you approached uh, directing certain sequences or just uh, you know, overall directing the movie, making sure that the vision you had in your head was what other people were eventually going to see. Well, it always does. But I think this movie is unique in terms of the fact that, um, you know, some of the, this movie is really what it was for a decade. Cause I wrote the, I wrote the first draft of this film a long time ago and then it changed a lot. Uh, the specifically the back, like 35 minutes of this movie were kind of always this snarky action thriller between Elliot, who is this sort of stubborn, old you know wannabe cowboy and then flynn uh you know who's uh who's you know lgbtq uh representative uh gamer and and that was always important to me the whole way through and so that sort of stuff was there right um and and the the fun that they had their relationship uh surrogate father surrogate daughter and storming the castle so to speak was something that we always loved and so how to backtrack into that and, and make the rest of the movie add up to what that in, that energy was, that was always the challenge. And then once we got in the editing room, we, we were like, we figured it out. This is what we're going to do with the rest of the movie now. Nice. So talk about, um, I guess, the visual aspects, the, the tone you were looking for to, I guess, I, I don't know how else to put it, to attract the, the Gen Z influencer crowd. <laughs> well, I'm really excited that the people that have seen it so far who are younger completely get the movie. I've always sort of, even though I'm in my forties now, I have always sort of had a brain that felt younger um, when it comes to creating stuff. I launched a very big digital media company. Uh, it's still really big uh, for like 11 year old girls six years ago. It's where I learned all the stuff, influencer stuff. Um, and um, I knew then what to program, you know, for for 11 year olds then, you know, um, I don't really know. I feel like 
I'm young at heart and I'm addicted to technology. And so this is just the way that I see the world, you know? Uh, this is a much more unfiltered and um, un, uh, uh, not reined in uh, directing style than I have in some of my other projects. Uh, and it was a lot of fun to do it this way. I learned a lot of these digital, these techniques from uh, creating some shows for Snapchat uh, that were pretty popular. And so uh, when I was there, they taught me a lot about the visuality and the way to keep people's attention, uh, which was fascinating and, uh, and really interesting to be inside the tent, learning how uh, Snap actually operates and manipulates your brains uh, at like <laughs> every two seconds, literally. And so um, what, when we started kind of stumbling onto what the ultimate visual style would be for this film, the two sort of touchstones were uh, gaming and how do we, because Flynn is a gamer, so we wanted to make sure that the movie looked like uh, what our lead was was sort of known for. That's where the scoreboards come in and, and some of the more video game centric first player shooter stuff and everything like that. And then the second element was uh, instead of really embracing our lead influencer stories, uh, creating a visual around it more so and, and creating additional information that you were downloading uh, sort of as if you're downloading the whole movie instead of watching it. Uh, and, and I guess, you know, the only movie, there are a couple movies that have done similar, very different, but similar movies, uh, similar styles. Of, I would say like a couple of the Adam McKay movies, um, Scott Pilgrim. Uh, and then you'd have to look all the way back to like these really crazy freak out movies of like the late sixties, like, you know, head and a couple of the other Bob Rafelson movies that were really, really weird and and used like archival and interstitials and all this sort of wacky sort of hippie drug stuff. I think that that those th th those are sort of the two prongs of the way that we crafted what the movie looked like. I'm sitting here trying to think there was a. Oh, I can't remember the movie, but it was it was shot in sort of a TikTok style where each chapter was separate but at the end you could watch the whole thing together as a finished like 30 minute film or whatever and i'm i'm wondering if if that is a path that future indie filmmakers can take advantage of because you don't have you don't need a lot of technology you've you know the app halfway edits what you've got anyway um and just just seeing a a film that sort of you know wink wink nudge nudge here you can do this too kind of thing is is for me as someone who appreciates the when people take advantage of independent storytelling to tell a story in a style or a format or or just a, an aggressively different manner to tell that story. I, I have so much appreciation for that. Well, I, listen, I appreciate it. I, I don't think that I had intended initially to make something as creative as it was, to be honest. <laughs> you know, I, I think that it was just, I'm, I, I look at the world a little bit differently. And so it depends on, you know, the project. Uh, I, had, I had seen, there were a couple of, of uh, digital shorts that I had seen early on when I was doing um, the snap shows. Uh, and, um, and one of them was this very interesting, uh, short called pocket, uh, that, uh, I've never talked about this by the way, but this is a digital pod, uh, podcast, right? Mm -hmm. So this makes sense. Um, there's a really interesting, uh, show, uh, short called pocket 
that um, this gifted director made that was basically uh, the whole short is run through a phone. Um, it's very uh, with the phone that's on and uh, and it, and it's really fascinating. Uh, and it's 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 pretty racy. It's kind of like euphoria, but just on a phone. And um, and it, it gave me a lot of ideas. And then um, a friend of mine, uh, much more glossy editorial, but a friend of mine who I had hired for a project uh, made this show. Um, oh God, I forgot what he was a short that he did. This guy Daniel Reisinger, um, and uh, I think it was called Status Update or something. But a lot of the technique that I saw in there were things that I showed to my editors and said, hey, this is really cool. So, I mean, most of the references, aside from, as I mentioned, like, uh, you know, um, Big Short and and Vice and, and Scott Pilgrim, were really me turning on my editors to weird shorts that I had seen. Um, because uh, at the end of the day, I am really an independent filmmaker. And I, I, I am exposed to lots of different things. And I, I worked in the world of music videos and commercials for a while. So, you know, uh, it's it, it's my, in my nature to try to figure out new and, and exciting ways to do things and also to crib off of, you know, uh, the latest shit that someone tried, you know. And I think that it's really important to remember that the filmmakers that we all think are like the titans of the industry for the last 50 years today in the 70s, they were being turned on by the similar kind of things in counterculture French New Wave, uh, you know, avant-garde uh, film uh, shorts that they were seeing uh, at museums. And it, it's all really the same. I think that, you know, we look at, you know, as a society, we look down at you know, TikTok and, and YouTube. And I think that it's just, it's just couldn't be more backwards. Uh, obviously, there is commerce and a lot of this movie is about it. But on the other side of it, there are revolutionary filmmakers that have not gotten their first chance yet. And so as a long-winded answer to you, wherever you can make your movie, you should make your movie. And whoever you can get to see it, you should get to see it. And, um, and I will be the first to champion it and, and be excited about it. Because it's really important to understand that not everybody has the tools to go out and make a big feature film. Um, and even when you do, you have a lot of, of uh, blocks to not make it exactly the way you thought you were going to make it aside from the very, very few, and even then you make sacrifices, nobody's handing you, you know, $15 million to go make your perfect movie. They're handing you like $3 million and they're saying like, figure out how to do it, you know, and you still have to use the same actors and you really don't have a lot of money, but you better make it good, you know? And, and I think that, that that's the sort of, uh, that sort of balance of if you want to be creative in this industry and make unique things, you're probably not going to get as much money for it. But if you if you get more money, then you're probably going to have to basically just do what your studio tells you. So it's one way or another, you know. And uh, and and so it, that's a sort of uh, story as old as cinema itself. Awesome. Well, Asher, I want to thank you for sharing your time and your insight with us today. Yep. Uh, I appreciate you covering uh, the film, and and please uh, let everybody know it come and have a good time. I know we're talking about a little bit more serious uh, sort of creative subject matters, but the movie is, is super fun. Uh, and uh, it's a really fun one to watch with your friends. And you can debate with your friends about if you liked it, you know, what you liked about it, you know, what scene worked and what scene you, you want to watch again. And, you know, and even by yourself, you know, you can watch the movie a bunch of times. And I will say that in a movie theater, it's a, it's a really wild sensory experience. So if there's one that's in your town that's playing the movie, you should you should go and see it because it's like going to see a rock show, you know, yeah. it's pretty crazy. 
The movie is Slayers in theaters on digital and on demand on Friday, October 21st from the Avenue. And we, we, we recommend you go check it out. And we will be back with more Slice of Sci-Fi right after this. Escape Pod is your destination for the best in modern short science fiction. Our intrepid crew of editors and hosts will bring you fun, thought-provoking, in-flight entertainment every week as the pod careens around the multiverse. In the mood for a classic, we've got Anson Mount, also known as Captain Christopher Pike, reading Theodore Sturgeon. Want something a little more up-to-date? Jennifer R. Donahue's surveillance fatigue has you covered in every sense. From classic space opera to intimate character drama, from heroic alien pets waiting for their families, to herds of literal Einsteins and the benevolent conspiracy they're hatching, Escape Pod has it all at escapepod.org. So buckle up, because it's story time. Hi, this is Barbara Crampton, and you're listening to Slice of Sci-Fi. Ooh, scary. And once again, the movie is Slayers. Directed by our guest, Kay Asher Levin, and co-written by him as well. Featuring Thomas Jane, Kara Hayward, and Jack Donnelly, along with Lydia Hurst and Malin Ackerman. And Abigail Breslin. The movie is available from The Avenue as of October 21st on streaming and on demand. So go check it out if you can. And how about you? What kind of action vampire movie, vampire hunter movie uh, fills your bill? Let me know. The number is 602-635-6976 or shoot me an email, summer at sliceofsci-fi.com. You can also leave your comments over on the website, sliceofsci-fi.com, in the comments section, the discussion section for this episode. You can listen to Slice of Sci-Fi on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Player FM, and iHeartRadio. And if you're listening on Apple or Stitcher or Podchaser, please consider leaving us a review, giving a feedback or a rating that lets people know that you are enjoying the show and maybe, just maybe, they should check it out for themselves. I'd like to thank everyone who is currently helping to support Slice of Sci-Fi through Patreon. Your pledges there help keep uh, the websites and the media online. And for that, you have my gratitude and thanks and appreciation. And uh, 
The other sites that are kept online by your, your support are Writers After Dark and Babylon Podcast. There may be a new one in the mix soon. Still working that out. <laughs> uh, if you would like to add your support, the place to go is patreon.com slash slice of sci-fi. Pick a tier, any tier, and you will become eligible for perks. Every month, I pick a proverbial email address out of the proverbial hat, and that person gets to choose from a list of freebies that I have here, either books, DVDs, Blu-rays, 4Ks, uh, review materials from the shows that uh, I just don't have the space to keep. So the supporters of the shows get first dibs at some uh, really cool stuff. So again, that link is patreon.com slash slice of sci-fi. If you're interested in supporting every now and then without uh, committing to a monthly pledge, the links you can use are Kofi, ko-fi.com slash slice of sci-fi and paypal.me slash sci-fi summer. Another way you can support is by shopping for uh, curated items over at sliceofsci-fi.net. I'm still growing that. Had to take a break recently. But that site will continue to grow adding uh, curated items from myself and the contributors here. So keep an eye out for uh, new stuff being added to that every month or so. But that'll do it for this episode. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back with more Slice of Sci-Fi later this week. So take care. (laughs) 